email actually, the MTL email. If you don't get that and you want that, let us know before you leave. Um, yeah, but that's a quote I came across. I'm reading Full Catastrophe Living by John Evanson right now. And in there, he said something along these lines. I think it says, as long as you're breathing in and out. Uh, but if you're breathing in and out, there is more right with you than wrong with you. I don't know if you guys ever get into bad headspace, where you're kind of thinking and like looking at your life and playing the comparison game and doing all of that stuff. But it's very easy to get trapped into thinking and looking at all the negative, all the wrong. And he was simply stating, if you're literally breathing in and out, the way our bodies work, the complexity of that kind of miracle of life, there is more right with you than is wrong with you. And to kind of stand in that kind of a posture and understand that that's happening right now for you. There's more right with you than wrong with you. So anyway, I'm gonna throw that up there, just keep that up there for you guys. Before you leave tonight, we do have a survey on the back table. We're gonna send it out by email as well, so you can fill it out that way, but we want you to fill out a survey. We're looking at this next year. We've officially concluded year three of More to Life. And there's consistently like anywhere, you know, from like, I don't know, 25 to 50 people here on Tuesday nights. It's a lot of fun. We're looking at doing some other interesting things. We're not going to try and create more, necessarily speaking, or like require more out of you, but we want to kind of vary the level of connection that we're getting out of these spaces. And we're hearing that like lots of people actually welcome that and want that. So we're going to try a couple of different things, but we want to hear from you especially before we kind of like take that leap starting next school year. So fill that survey out, take it with you. And then I think I, I thought I had one more announcement. I don't, I don't write these things down. So sometimes I forget I'm standing here. Anyway, no big deal. I've been public speaking my whole life. <laughs> kind of feel at home up here. Um, it bodes well with my DNA and my system, believe it or not. Grade school, middle school, high school is where I kind of got recognized for it. I was taking this public speaking class with one of my teachers, Mrs. Kistler, who has since passed. Um, and she just encouraged me to do this and to like chase after it. She even told me in high school, she was like, you know what? I think eventually you'll have a job where you're public speaking, where you're sharing your heart, where you're connecting with people and you're encouraging them and you're just dying on my dad. So I went back to my 10 year high school reunion and I got to share with her like that I was like doing this job I was this director of this youth organization and I was speaking at least three times a week, if not four times a week in my local faith community. And like, just told her about all this kind of stuff and just let her know it. She should be, you know, it was really, really cool. Now, I've loved public speaking because I get to connect. I get to tell stories. And here I am at 40 and I've, I've, I've done numerous memorials. I've spoken at a graduation. A lot of weddings. I've emceed all kinds of events. I get to stand up here on Mortal Life nights. This is what I pretty much value and love above all else, honestly, public speaking here. And back in college, I don't know if you guys know what my degree is. My degree is Christian education, it's a double major Christian education and biblical literature. And I took Greek, I looked at some Hebrew. 
And um, actually, I don't have the double major. I shouldn't say that I'm. I, I didn't, Anne didn't really make the face she normally does when I say I have a double major. <laughs> because I, I'm sure one class. At this point, I just let it go. Just let it go. Just be like, yeah, still. It's just talking again. My senior year, I got engaged. I had mono. I was in charge of this huge conference. And they were telling me I had to take this class, which I had to write a 50-page paper. And I was already writing another 50-page paper. And so I was like, the whole class was a 50-page paper. And then you got your double major. And I was like, this is stupid. It's a piece of paper. Like, I've learned everything there was to learn. I just haven't, like, written that paper for you. So I'd let go of the double major. But it's all right. It's all right. I'm not sure how much, like, I'm not really in love with my degree anymore. Like, pretty much quickly after I graduated, I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, and then you start, like, living life and looking at jobs and things, and I was like, why do, I don't know why I have that, why I majored in those, that one thing, almost the second thing. Um, but when I was in college and I was learning all of this, like, they were essentially teaching me to do a lot of this, like stand up and speak and, and work with groups and different things like that. But there was one very important thing, and I got really, really tired of it. I had to connect, link, or begin everything with the Bible. That's how it started. That's, how, that's, that's like where it was. And I was trying to remember, even still now, I, I think back to all the people I've ever listened to, all the people I've ever heard talk up front and teach and do things. And man, I don't remember much about the Bible. Um, I went to church a lot. So anyway, but in connecting with people that I've like been able to speak with and, and talk to over the past 40-ish years, like most of what they remember me saying and talking about isn't that even. Mostly what they remember are a lot of my stories and the meaning that emerged from those experiences. And sometimes then they pull it and filter it into their own life, and there's this other meaning that comes out, and this huge thing that happens for them. For me, everything's spiritual. Like, I, I just don't even see a line anymore. There's, like, no division. There's no, like, barrier. There's no... It just doesn't exist. And after speaking for so long, I really, really, really believe that it's important to allow meaning to emerge from life itself rather than desperately trying to get something out of it and trying to examine it and like figure out where it is. I had this one student to me after listening to me talk for like eight years. This student said, man, your life is so interesting. And I was like, no, it's not. Yours is too. No, not mine. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I mean, I tell stories about dog food. You know, like, and people find it interesting, and like, it's just because you kind of take this little twist, and, and you think about it long enough, and you're like, man, there is a lot of meaning there. Oftentimes, what happens is this: we just miss it. We just, we just didn't pay attention. We didn't see it. We didn't even show up really fully, right? And then you go back to some of those stories and those things, and you allow the meaning just to kind of surface. And it does. So often we miss the meaning, we fail to see it, or we simply just don't show up. We're not present. 
That's a lot of life. So tonight, as we begin, it's your reminder. I want to encourage you to be present. I want to encourage you to pay attention. I want to encourage you to look for the meaning and to see the more that there really is to life and to your life. It's there. I promise you it's there. Now I want to tell you about three conversations that I had. One a long time ago with this guy, and I was at a memorial. It was, it was, I mean, those are never really a good time. But we're there, and afterwards, this guy comes up to me, and he just looks at me, and he goes, we should do this more often. And it's just not something you're going to say. I don't know why. But I get what he was saying, because, man, that experience, that two hours that we were there, you heard people speak from their heart. You heard people speak truth about an individual that we had lost. They talked about those stories. And yes, there was crying, and yes, there was laughing. But everybody who was in that room for those two hours, somehow, we were mysteriously brought closer because of that experience. And at the end, he said, we should do this more often. And I thought, yeah, we should. We really, really should. How do you tap into this more? I just did a wedding two weeks ago. And I showed up to the rehearsal, and then they go out for their rehearsal dinner. And they always invite me, and I always turn it down, right? Because, like, no, no. <laughs> You know, I don't want to be that guy at the table. They're trying to include on every joke. And, like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It's hard. There's too much backstory going on here. The next day, I show up for the wedding, and the father of the groom comes up to me, and he said, we had the best time at the rehearsal dinner last night. He was like, it was amazing. And he starts kind of tearing up. And I'm like, well, what happened? You've got to tell me about this. He's like, man, you know, I mean, we've got a bridal party of like five on each side. And it's like all of my son's friends and all of his soon-to-be wife's friends. And, and they just start telling stories. And then they had this moment where they all decided to like stand up and like affirm or kind of talk directly to the bride and groom and tell them what they admired and how much they thought of them. He said it was such a good time. He's like, the wedding's gonna be great tonight, but man, I will never forget that rehearsal dinner. So, third conversation was this. Uh, I went to someone's retirement party. <laughs> And while I was at this retirement party, her son was there. So I got to talking with her son. And her other son was there. And I got to talking with her other son. And we're standing around, we're having this conversation. And I have the tendency of those things to like go pretty deep really quick. Because sometimes like I'm there and I walk away and I'm like, what'd you talk about? And it's like, I don't even really know what any of us talked about. I was walking around. But with these two individuals, I went really deep, really quick, right? Asked them some really good questions. And then we got pulled in and sucked into this conversation. We start talking about friendship. We start talking about, like, well, how close are you to people? And then one of her sons says to me, you know, Phil, I always remember you telling me that if I get to the end of my life 
and I have one really close friend who knows me well, other than a relative or my spouse, that I've done something and accomplished something very rare in life. And he said, I believe you now. And I said, right? I get it. His brother's standing next to him, and then his brother simply says to me, I want to tell you, Phil, I always look at people's friendships and people's relationships, and my brother, honestly, has the closest connections with his friends I've ever seen. And he said, and I think you had a part in that. And I said, I hope I, I, hope I did. I really hope I did. And then so we start talking, and I start saying, you know, I'm not sure that I have that one really, really close friend. You know? Maybe. You know, and then I start to think about it. And then I'm like, well, I do, but they just don't, they don't live here. Right? So we, we try and get close through the telephone and through, like, visits and things like that. And so we start just sharing a little bit more. And I said, it's really difficult. You know, I've got some friends that live here, and they're completely cool with getting together about once every other month. And, like, when I said that to, like, T, you know, he just laughed out loud. And, and then I said something about, like, I've tried, you know, like, I've tried to set up lunches and stuff. And then one of her sons interrupted me, and he goes, yeah, you can't do lunches. You can't do lunches. You've got to do events. You know, you got to have, like, bro time. That's what he told me. He's like, you got to go, like, mountain biking together or backcountry skiing together or something like that. I'm like, yes, you can do that, but here's the other thing. That closeness you were talking about with me earlier that your brother has with his friends, it didn't come just by mountain biking and backcountry skiing. It came from those awkward moments when you actually feel like you're on a date. <laughs> and you're like asking questions and the conversation goes deeper and somewhere else. Sometimes we're limited where our conversation can go when it's just event-driven, right? Sometimes that connection doesn't go there. That's what that guy said at the memorial when he said we should do this more often. He might have had plenty of road time, but he didn't have enough of that. That's what he was getting at, that dad was getting at, at that rehearsal dinner. When he said, like, oh, that was the best night. The wedding's going to be sick, too. But, man, that night, that had something to it. And so I want to share those three conversations with you. And I want to tell you about one other experience that I had. Uh, I grew up in Illinois, in the Midwest. And when I was in high school, there was this thing that had just started. It was this music festival called Cornerstone. And it was just kind of, like, peaking. And it was, I mean... I didn't get to live through Woodstock, so I have no clue. But I've seen pictures of Redstone. Um, but Cornerstone was kind of like the next best thing for me growing up. And you would go out to this like random field, because we had plenty of them in the Midwest. <laughs> you know, just vacant, open, there it is. And all of these bands meet up there. And all of these people pay tickets, and you just hit all these different stages. And they have like three or four main stages that you go to. And when I was there one year, I started seeing people that were just caked with mud just covered from head to toe with mud. And the strangest thing was, it was dry as a bone. Dry as a bone. Like, no rain. Kind of like here now, you know? <laughs> like, zero rain, super dry. How are these people caked with mud? 
And then I went to my first concert at the main stage, and I saw the cloud rising from down front, right? So here's this group of people close enough to the stage, close enough to the action, and they're just going for it. They're dancing, if you want to call it moshing. They're like jumping around. They're having a good time. And beneath them is the dirt dance floor. And from the dirt dance floor, the dirt just rises. And it's this sweaty mess. And so when you like, when you walk out from the dirt dance floor, you are just covered head to toe in mud. It was amazing. Now, you could choose to stay on the outside, on the edges, or you could press in. Sure, it was a little bit uncomfortable. It was a little bit rough, too. Like, you just start going. I don't know if you've ever been in a concert like that. If you're back here and it's general admission and you want to get to the front, you can do it. Excuse me, excuse me. No, you're just, you're, you're just going for it. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy to dig through that amount of people. But I'm telling you what, it's a pretty good time. It's a pretty good time being caked in mud. Like, it's awesome. Now, if that image doesn't like do it for you. I get it, I get it. I tell a lot of stories like that. Sometimes they don't do it for people. If it doesn't do it for you, just hear this out of my mouth. There is more waiting for you beyond the edges of your life. There's more waiting for you beyond the edges of your life. More depth, more meaning, more progress, more joy, more peace. There is more. There's more in unexpected places that you can't yet fathom, that you don't even know exist. There's more further out ahead of you. I promise there's more. Now, we're going to look at a couple of different words tonight. One of them being survive, survival, right? We're going to just combine those two. Dictionary. Survive, survival. Says, continue to live or exist in spite of danger or hardship. To remain alive. Right? Survive, survival. Continue to live or exist, especially in spite of danger or hardship, to remain alive. All right. Now we've got this other word that I want to put out there. We've got the word called thrive. Thrive or thriving, let's, let's go with that. Thrive or thriving. Definition, to grow or develop well or vigorously, to flourish. And it's specifically said in relationship to a child, an animal, or a plant. And I don't know why it said that. But when I thought about that for a second, that was interesting because when it said to child, I immediately popped back to like wellness checkups with our boys and the doctor always using the word thrive. It came up all the time. Like along with like charts and graphs and, and progress reports on your kid, are they thriving? Like as they're growing. And then I was thinking about the word flourish and I was thinking about the word in relationship to child, animal, and plant. And so when I thought about child, I thought about growth. When I thought about an animal, I thought about strength like in the world, like surviving out there and thriving in your environment. And then I thought about a plant and I thought about death with the word flourish because of roots, right? So I thought of those three words, growth, strength, and death. Now, 
Survival, for me, always has another word after it. And I don't know if that's you, too. You guys are all wondering, what is it? You're trying to think of a million words that fit after survival. Survival mode. Because oftentimes, this definition of survival, continuing to live or exist, especially in spite of danger or hardship, to remain alive, we've adopted this other word and thrown it after there because so many times survival can become the common operational way we live. We call it survival mode. There are periods when you go into survival mode. There are seasons when you go into survival mode. And some of us even get stuck there. Survival mode. Just remaining alive. You're existing. You're continuing to live. But you're just existing. Now, if I were going to throw out the words survive, survival, thrive, and thriving, do any of you guys have any feelings that are associated with those? Feelings, images, ideas like that you would like be willing to share? Survive, survival, thrive, thriving. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of pitting them against one another a little bit if you haven't picked up on that. If you haven't picked up on that. But any feelings or anything, I'll definitely share mine, but I'm just going to open it up to you guys for a second if you can. Yeah. No. I feel like one's defensive, one's offensive. I like defensive, offensive. Nice. Anybody else? Survive, survival. One is empty, one is full. <laughs> one is empty, one is full. Survival one feels like desperation. Yeah, joyful or what was that? Joyful. Joyful. Sadness. Sadness. Yeah. I think both take equal energy. If not, survival takes even more energy. Thriving is stretching. It's not this like exuberance all the time. It's stretching. Being just that get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Exhilaration that comes from that. You, you mentioned energy. When I always think of surviving and thriving, I think surviving does require more energy. I think thriving gives you energy. Right? I feel like one actually like robs you of it. <laughs> and one actually fills you up with it. Yeah. So I think surviving is existing, thriving is growing and evolving. Yeah. Evolving, adapting, growing. What I feel survival is safe mode. Safe mode? Yeah. You know, like you just gotta survive. You gotta get through this, you gotta stay safe. Whereas thriving involves to me some risk. Safe mode, accelerating. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh. I was just thinking of survival being fearing death and uh, thriving, loving life. It's like just the opposite. Fearing death. Perspective it could be the same thing. Huh. That's awesome. Assuming most of you guys have used a map in your lifetime, or you've seen one, maybe you're at a mall, amusement park. My favorite maps are the ones that have an X on it. 
and say you are here. <laughs> those really help me orient myself a little bit. Like get my bearings and understand exactly where I am in relationship to the things around me. I feel like survival is saying you're here. You're here, you're alive, you made it. You got through that, you did it. I feel like for me, thriving is saying, but you're not only here, there's more. You're growing, you're advancing, you're moving forward, you're progressing, you're flourishing. You're growing in strength and depth. Now, the words survival and thrive, like I created that new word, right? The new word, and I'm gonna give you a new definition for it, because it's a new word, hasn't existed. I mean, there's probably other people who have said it. We're gonna create the word thrival. I'm gonna give you a new definition for it. Definition by Phil. Thrival. More than existence. Truly living on the other side of inevitable survival mode. It's when we grow in strength and depth and learn to become resilient. One more time. Long definition, I get it. More than existence, truly living on the other side of inevitable survival mode. It's when we grow in strength and depth and learn to become resilient. Thrival, right? Thrival. Now, you've used a map, you've seen the X, and I'm gonna say one of the key ingredients to thrival is owning what I'm gonna call your X. Owning your X. It's simply this. <laughs> no, don't throw in other meanings. I'll give them the X on the map. No X spouses. You don't own them. That's not what I'm saying. X loses the spot. You own your X marks the spot. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Okay, I'm back on track. All right, all right. Vital importance. You own your X marks the spot. And that's simply these three words. This is what I'm going to give you kind of as like a cue, it's like a click, it's like a trigger, it's like a reminder. We're gonna start with this one, here. It's where you are. And if you're in survival mode, you're at survival. And you can throw any other descriptors on there you want to. Burnt out, tired, worn out, depressed, anxious, over it. <laughs> like whatever survival mode, means, looks like for you, feels like, those descriptors. When you're in survival mode, that's where you are. The here is where. Let me jump up here to this one. This is who. It's you. It's knowing, first of all, that you do have DNA, and there are certain truths about you. I've been trying to escape certain things for 40 years, and I thought I would change some of them. I haven't changed some of them. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, aren't you supposed to be able to, certain truths that just like stick with me. Other things I have been able to change. But there are some things, and it's also understanding like how you operate, right? 
there's some certain things about you. And then this middle one for me, this is the fun one. This is the one we're going to talk a little bit more about this week and next week. This for me is the word that acknowledges you got here somehow. Right here is like where you're at. This is the you part of it. And this is like the motion part of it. It's like you got here somehow. And if you're in survival mode, more than likely, the way you got there isn't working anymore. It's not going to work anymore. Moving forward, and maybe it was always broken, but now it's very evident that it's broken. The way that you actually got there. So this is going to be the how of it. And I'm going to tell a couple different stories about this. I've experienced survival mode several times in my life. And many times I experienced it and I didn't even know I was experiencing it because it felt like it was working. I mentioned my college senior year when I had mono and I was in charge of a conference and I got engaged to Ian. Man, I'll tell you what. I was in survival mode. I dropped a double major. <laughs> I was like, screw that. I can't make that happen. And I'm like, and then I get mono. It's like, I literally slept in my room for 18 hours straight, and people didn't even come by to bring me meals. What in the world was that all about? No one was like wondering, is Phil still alive? Like, I woke up 18 hours later, and I, I got up, and I was heading to dinner, and uh, it was so funny. My roommate was like, what are you doing? It's like breakfast. And I was like, what? How long was I asleep? He's like, for about 18 hours. He's like, what? How did you not? Anyway, like several things broke down for me and I was in this place and I didn't even realize I was in survival mode until it broke, right? And it became very evident and very clear. You, man, I hate this part of this. I've been trying to figure myself out for 40 years and I feel like I've got at least another 40 years to go, right? Like, I don't even know sometimes, like, what's there. But here's one of the things I did want to share with you. I worked for a local faith community, <coughs> and I worked my ass off for them. And I remember when I stepped away from that and the resentment that I had inside of me for the things that I had done. And I'm, I've told this story one time in More to Life, but if you've already heard it, just stick with me a little bit for it. I had, like, a dream vision. And this doesn't happen to me often, so don't start writing me off and thinking I'm a good person. But I kid you not, I stepped away from this local faith community and I had this dream or vision at night. And I was literally standing in front of a person who had a shifting face. And the face was all the people of that community. Just rolling, you know? Like, I envisioned it like going like this, you know, with all their faces. And I was standing in front of this figure and I was just letting them have it. I was like, do you know what I gave up for you? Do you know how much sleep I gave up for you? How much food I gave up for you? How much caffeine I ingested for you? Do you know how many times I plunged toilets for you? Do you know? And I just went down the list. And it was a long list. And I'm like talking, talking, and I'm getting angry, and I'm getting sad, and I'm getting tired. And eventually, like, I'm just kind of like, and it creates this awkward space of silence, right? And I'm just breathing and I'm exhausted. And that figure had the audacity to say to me, I never asked you to do any of those things. And I woke up 
<laughs> pissed, finally. <laughs> Unbelievably pissed. And it was true. It was so true. Shortly after that, I told Anne, well, I'm not going to give anything to anybody ever again. Because I'm not going to be a giver anymore. <laughs> that didn't work out for very long at all. Because guess who I am? I'm a giver. And I think about that dream so often. And if that's something I wish I could change about myself, it's something I can't change. There are some things, though, that I can. Let's go to that center section, shall we? The how did I get there? I gave too much. Just because I'm a giver doesn't mean I always have to give. Just because I'm a giver doesn't mean I can't create boundaries for my giving. Just because I'm a giver, that doesn't mean I have to go above and beyond for every person I ever meet in this world, always. Right? I don't have to do that. There's some important things in this middle section of how you got where you are and the things that you can change about yourself. And I want to make one thing really clear, too, real quick. Like, this is an important distinction right here between the you and the how, like the who and the how. Like, I don't want you to get confused just like with this. Like, I'm a giver. But giving too much, that's how I got there. I don't have to give all the time, even though I'm a giver. Like, this, this can be an important distinction sometimes to make between how you got where you are, not letting that become who it is you really are. Don't kind of confuse that boundary. I guess like what I'm going to say, like who you are isn't how you got there, and how you got there can change. I'm a giver through and through. It's not going to change. How I give can change. So that's an important distinction to make sometimes. Because sometimes, like, I'll stand up here and I'll tell you, and I'm going to throw this one out there because I'm going to go ahead and get there tonight before we leave. I have said openly, even here at Mortal Life, and for years that I'm a pessimist. I think I have pessimistic tendencies. I think I've formed some really good patterns of thinking that are pessimistic. I'm starting to no longer believe I'm a pessimist, though. Right? How I'm thinking, I don't want it to become who I really am. Does that make more sense? That distinction between those two? Four or five ingredients of getting to thrival. Because that's where I want to be. I want to get to thrival instead of survival. So I want this to be the place where I'm standing. This is the place to be where I'm full. I don't want to be afraid of dying. I want to be like embracing life. I want to be chasing after it. I want to be like living my life and moving forward and growing in depth and strength and learning resiliency. Super important. 
four ingredients I'm going to give you, and I'm going to dive into one next week big time, right? So I'm just going to like hint at it tonight. One, for me, this is my five ingredients, four ingredients, right? Number one, prayer and meditation. It's like this consistent rhythm that I can count on every day, that I can turn to, that I can engage and practice, and it helps me move toward thrival. That's me. That's me. Prayer and meditation. Two, I want to be able to feel things more and not suppress them. I'm a great suppressor. In fact, like, Ann and I, we would like, we had a brother and sister-in-law that lived here for a while, and they would get into fights, and they couldn't, like, come inside and enjoy dinner. Like, we're like, where are they? You're supposed to be here 30 minutes ago. Look out in the driveway. Oh, yeah, they're sitting out in the car. Oh, looks like they're fighting. You know? Like, they're fighting. And then you get the call. You get the call 45 minutes in. Hey, we're not going to make it to dinner. You're like, seriously? Can't you just come in? We mail food. Can't you come in and enjoy it? No. We're like, can't you just push that stuff down and, like, get through dinner with us? Because Ann and I, we're pretty good at that. You know, like, I consider it, and have for a long time, like, an art. Like, something you master is, like, suppressing your feelings. And now I'm figuring out that hasn't been working for me very well. It's actually been creating, like, survival mode later. Burying the feelings, suppressing them, keeping them in me, and not letting them the chance to work out creates this anxiety and stress inside of me that is no bueno. It's awful. And it comes out at the worst freaking times. It's not okay. My second ingredient, stepping more towards thrival. Feel your emotions. Feel them. Don't suppress them. Suppressing them is like giving them control they don't even deserve. I thought I was controlling them. Whoops. That's so great. Third ingredient, embracing limits. Oh my gosh. Um, embracing limits. And this can be like all across the board, people. I mean, like we're talking physically. We're talking emotionally. We're talking spiritually. We're talking mentally. We are taking on entirely too much these days. I 100% believe that. I can't handle the news right now sometimes like with with the devastation and, and some of the things that happen out there and the grief that comes our way and, and, and the things that happen in our local community we as people entirely 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 try to take on too much we push ourselves in ways sometimes that just aren't healthy you've got to figure out what some of those limits are for you for my dad i don't want him roofing buildings anymore he's 70 years old i want him off the roof Right? I tell him stuff like that. I'm like, you have no business being up on a roof. Roof and buildings, you're 70 years old. Okay, hard time getting up the ladder, let me tell you. Like, you don't need to be on top of the roof. Like, there's just different things. And so, for me, embracing my limits, one of mine is simply saying, I honestly 
I, I don't have to win everyone in my life over. This is one of my limits. One of my limits. I was thinking I could win everybody over. And in fact, I set out to do it, right? Like, and sometimes it was on a daily basis. I was going to win you over at all costs. Like, it was just going to happen. And then I started realizing that that was costing me something that I didn't want to pay anymore. Because some of the people in my life that I did want to go on above and beyond for and I did want to win over, I didn't have the energy anymore to win them over, to go above and beyond for them. It was ridiculous. Hard cycle to learn. But man, I felt like because they were under my roof, I already got them, you know? Like, I already did my part. I can act pretty grumpy to them. And that stranger, though, that I'll never, ever see again. I went way out of my way for them. And they didn't ask me. <laughs> and it didn't really mean anything to them in the end. You know? Sometimes I have to pick my battles and I have to embrace some of my own limits. What that looks like for me. My fourth ingredient, and this is the one I'm going to come back to next week. Um, I'm going to call it Pathways. Pathways and mindfulness. All right? That's what I'm going to talk about a little bit next week. And we'll explore that. But before we end tonight, what I just want you to kind of like remember and pull up for yourself is this. When it comes to thrival, you're going to need to own your X marks the spot. You're going to need to own it. It's about becoming like critically aware of like who it is you are, where you are, and how it is you got there. And then you can also look at like where you want to be, and then you can say like, okay, here's who I am, and, and like how do I start to step there? What would be some ingredients that would take me toward thrival, that would like orient me in a way to head that direction? What's great is, I feel like not much of this has changed for me, but I feel like this really does. This can really shift and really change. Lately, when I'm, and I'm gonna talk about this a little bit next week, but lately when I have certain thoughts come to my mind, my middle portion, the how, has become so automatic and so instinctual that I feel like it is who I am because it almost happens automatically unconsciously. Lately, I'm beginning to realize, though, ooh, that's, that's kind of happening. Wait, okay, stop. You know? Like, I can honestly wake up and I can say, oh, this is awful. <laughs> How did that even just happen? And then I'm like, hang on, no, 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 no. I mean, today, today has a lot of potential. I feel like I'm going to try and make today I'm gonna see like how exactly I can do that. And then one of the things I do, of course, is like look in the mirror and smile. <laughs> yeah, force it. No, no. But I'm like, smile. Just smile for a second. I feel like today's gonna, I'm gonna take some steps to make today okay. Today's gonna be good. Your X marks the spot can change. I promise you it can change. And when you move from survival to thrival, you might not have felt like you personally changed, but I promise you this, you're more. If 
you didn't change anything, you did become more. Whatever it is you went through, whatever it is you went through, you came out on the other side more. I mean, every kind of struggle, every kind of like day is like an opportunity for thrival in a way. And you can look at it and you can greet it with this idea of, oh man, how in the world? Or hey, this is kind of an opportunity to grow. And you can step out on the other side and be like, well, I didn't like necessarily change, but man, I am more mature. Or man, like, you know what? I can relate to people in a way I couldn't before. I can feel parts of stories I never was able to feel before. There is more of you because of whatever it is you went through. How you live, how you move, how you breathe is going to fundamentally transform. And so, like, the steps that you're going to take to get anywhere else are going to be shifted and changed and transformed. And definitely where you end up is going to be, like, a whole another place. A whole different place. Hopefully full of strength and depth and meaning. Now, that word resilience, we're going to get to that next week with the pathways and the mindfulness. Pathways, mindfulness, resilience will be next week, next Tuesday, here, same time, same place, more to life. I encourage you this until next time. Do your work inside. Do your interior work. Press in to the dirt dance floor, right? Press in. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard, own your X marks the spots. And I truly hope that through thinking about some of that and reflecting on it, you can discover the ingredients for your own personal thrival. Whatever those ingredients look like. Start with one. If you can get five, great. If you can get three, if you can only get one, start there. May you change your X. May you find more on the other side of survival. Because there is more. I promise you, it's there. I promise. Amen. Seven o'clock, just like that. Boom. We're there. 650 something. So don't forget to take a survey. This month we're two weeks back to back. July, we're two weeks back to back. August, we're two weeks back to back. So there are always going to be two talks that almost stack on top of each other and hold hands and play it nice. (laughs) Like, they're going to be two talks that almost like boom, boom, because it'll be fresh in your mind and right there. But next week, we'll be talking about mindfulness, pathways, resilience. Because, man, we need it (laughs) in this world. And my pathways, the well-traveled ones, they're just not so great. Forming new pathways is so ridiculously hard, but so, so worth it. So that's what we'll go next week. Grab some dessert, grab some drinks, say hey to people. Maybe you're going out for a bite afterwards. That's awesome. And any other thing else? Anything else? No, I was just going to say Lincoln and Kate made the dessert tonight. Oh, nice. 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 All right, we will see you next week and more to life. Thank you guys.